Broadcasting live from the tunnels, this is The Monstrous Feminine, the podcast where horrible humans talk about horror. My name is Taya and I'm joined by my tethers, Mila, Louisa, and Zewa. In this episode, we are continuing our theme, doppelgangers and horror. But before we get into it, go ahead and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, or the Apple Podcast app. You can find all of our links on our Instagram at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. This week, we are discussing Jordan Peele's second directional project, the 2019 film Us. In Us, a black American family, the Wilsons, go on vacation to Santa Cruz. This trip is triggering for the mother, Adelaide, as she once experienced a traumatic childhood incident while temporarily lost at the boardwalk in which she encountered her doppelganger. While on this vacation, Adelaide keeps noticing strange coincidences, which give her the eerie feeling that her double might be getting close to her once again. Adelaide is proven right when a double of her family shows up at their door holding scissors and declaring their plans to kill and replace them. We don't have anything here. This is our summer home. Okay. We just got in today. So. Once upon a time, there was a girl, and the girl had a shadow. My very first point is about Hands Across America. It was a really deranged idea. We can explain it because I think it has a lot of context that we have to talk about. But my thing was like, our generation's Hands Across America is Coney 2012. And that's all I could think about when I was watching this film. And I wanted to like think, I was, it's a little bit of like a 9-11 thing where it's like, where were you when you found out about 9-11? I remember like, where were you when you saw Coney 2012? They were going to stop him. Have they? No. Oh. Should we explain Hands Across America, like what it was? So it was supposed to end like hunger or something in America. And it was like the ad would come on TV. It's the beginning of the movie where they're like, Hands Across America, go to your local record store and sign up. And basically without, with no planning strategically or logistically, they're like, on this day, we're going to make a single file line across all of America and we're going to hold hands. I don't know what part of this raised money. It was not, it was like 86 or something like that. So it was before my time, but it didn't work. Obviously it didn't work. If you think about the terrain of America, there are parts of it you simply, you simply can't stand in. It's the desert. It's the prairie. It's the mountains. Like that's the whole thing. It's this country's fucking massive there was no way this is going to work this would be really fascinating if anybody actually pulled that off i would be impressed logistically the whole i guess the thing that was impressive is that the doppelgangers were able to do it when the real humans were unable to do it and that that it was it was an organizational feat that they were able to do the hands across America. But what cracks me up though is like what was the plan be- once they hold hands okay now what you take over. It lent to the cool, like, bloody handprints in the tunnels that the Hands Across America shirt had these, like, red handprints all over them. Like, that was a bit creepy. And then they were, you know, and also the shirt looked like when you cut out paper dolls and they're holding hands in a chain. It works with the doppelganger imagery, for sure. Right. Like, this is not to say that us has no deeper meaning to it. It definitely it is like about a class analysis but there are parts of it that are just like wouldn't this be spooky like parts of it are just jordan peele being like "Ooh, remember this reference like what what if we made it spooky this is a very unpopular opinion but i truly think us is the superior jordan peele film i don't think that's unpopular and people i think their expectations for us was way too high because lupita is a genius 
and an incredible actress. Also, she should have got an Oscar nom for this. Lupita was acting her ass off in this. Like not like the voice I think is what people like stuck with. But if you look at her body work, I'm like, that is a classically trained actress. The way she like walks her posture. She walks a little bit like it. <laughs> I know that there was like controversy about the voice that she used for Red. My sister will be like, I wish that my cat could talk and tell me how she feels. And I always tell her like, her voice gonna sound like Red from us. The reason for her sounding like that made sense. Like when she was gotten interviews and she's like, people who don't speak for a long time because of trauma, it was informed by something. The Monstrous Feminine is on Twitter, so please go tweet us. If you do, you might just get a shout out on our next episode as our Witch of the Week. This episode, our Witch of the Week is Casper Melville from our SOS course where our podcast was born. A year ago, unbeknownst to us, he tweeted, Mark and Student Podcast. This one is about the Monstrous Feminine horror films. They're talking about the scene where Carrie gets her period in the shower and whether it's actually a masturbation scene. So proud of my students. Thanks for making us do this assignment. We hope that you're doing great. Uh, everyone, you should go check out his book. It's a London thing. He's great. Really funny. Excellent music journalist. And friendly reminder that we're also on Patreon. For one pound a month, you gain access to our Discord. <laughs> for three pounds a month, you get to hear uncut discussions from our main episodes. And for five pounds, you get all of that plus a bonus app. If you enjoy our podcast, please support us. So someone needs to tell me what this film is about because I, I didn't know it was class commentary. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, there's still parts of, of this film where I'm like, I think it's about underground people. If I was a, a film curator and I did a film fest, I would put this in the Hills Have Eyes together. What would be the name? Hands Across Forgotten America. <laughs> Mila, do you want me to explain to you? Oh, please. I watched this film and I was like, cool, it's about like an underground population, maybe some Native American commentary. Cloth commentary? What? Wait, where'd you get Native American? What? I know, like, they're thrown into horror a lot, but, like, I did not get that here. I've been derailed completely from what this film is about. So, the way that it's been explained by Jordan Peele and also, like, people who've interpreted it, either about, like, middle-class America, a commentary on, like, families in middle-class America competing with, like, slightly more upper class people so that's the black family because of you know their boat is not as fancy their house is not as fancy but they're still comfortable enough to have a, a vacation house and a boat and things like that but they are constantly competing with the joneses which is like this white family who's slightly more wealthy and they feel like they're better off then the tethers are supposed to represent people in poverty or it is an incarceration parallel so what it's meant to be saying is that like we are the same. Genetically, we are same. We are all human. But circumstances cause for somebody who could have been on one path to end up on another. So everybody is sort of like a parallel version of themselves. So basically, because it's a black middle class family, he's saying like, any one of us could be one step from being that lower class of people. We are one step from incarceration, one step from poverty and being driven to madness because of it. And that's, you know, the jumpsuits are very similar to those people who are incarcerated. And um, it's also sort of, it, it, because it's implied that this is a project that was run by the government, that they started cloning people or doing whatever to control them. It's also about how the middle class is controlled by larger systems. The tethers are controlled by those in the middle class because they're literally mimicking their actions in an attempt to like have a life like them. So when Red comes up and says, 
you got to have a husband, you got to choose him, you got to, you know, have a beautiful family, you got to live this life, eat food that was tasty and delicious. And my parallel is I had to copy you. And my version was worse. And we suffered. Are there really tunnels that actually exist? Yeah, that is true. Not as many as they're implying. But yeah, there are. They're not all connected. No, like they're not all connected. He's putting forward. I wanted to like completely really dig into this whole hands across America thing because as you kind of explained, Zeba. Yeah, I just went out and my roommate was like, I heard what you said about hands across America and I want you to know they raised a lot of money and a lot of celebrities were involved. They just didn't make it all the way across. First of all, it was apparently run by a campaign, like a, a charity called USA for Africa. So it's like some sort of organization. It was part of that We Are the World time where like all the celebrities got together. Yeah. The premise was that they would donate between $10 to $35 to, and you get a t-shirt, you stand in line, and they were supposed to raise like 50 to 100 million, and they raised 34, but only 15 of it went, million went to the actual cause of like homelessness because it took so, it was so expensive to run it and everything. I think when you first watch it, like it's seemingly random to have this charity in it, and it's like, aside from the fact that it lends itself well to doppelganger imagery, but then I was trying to like really like deep dive into it, and I was like, well, what do you think about all of this Western philanthropy? And it's all under the guise of like, oh, we're gonna help. But actually, like, as we've discovered, it really coincides with, like, exactly with, like, Cold War dates. And it's about kind of more about, like, control, ideological control and, like, making sure there's a Western presence in countries like Africa and the Middle East where there's a perceived political vacuum and they don't want the Soviets to move in. And then I think on the timeline of, like... NGOs, charities, organizations. In the 80s, there's like another boom of this. We're in the technological era. You're really using broadcasts and TV to spread charity messages. And I think the point of like including like Hands Across America, like this kind of project that didn't raise nearly as much money as it promised, is him saying like these campaigns that get a lot of media attention are not doing anything to tackle the issues that they're promising to tackle, like homelessness and stuff. Like it was mostly... A failed it was also a failed project in the same way that the cloning thing was a failed project. And they're and the, like Red saying that like we're Americans, like it's also acknowledging like the vast amounts of people who are made invisible by failed systems and like are just like forgotten or left to the wayside. Like you promised to help people in Hands Across America. And like it was actually in like you're saying, Louisa, that's really insightful about like NGOs being methods of control internationally. They're also like methods of control domestically. People get like dependent on like NGOs that really don't do shit. that really don't stand for shit. And they are methods of like controlling like poor populations. And and the, and that like the cloning thing was a failed project. The fact that the clones are able to successfully do what like the real people aren't able to do. It's, I thought like, I don't know if this like would really work but like if people took it into their own hands to solve their own problems maybe they'd be more successful but what problem did the clone solve besides living on the surface and like killing their double so that they could live their life quote unquote but i think that's the thing is like we're always trying to like kill the not kill literally but like defeat the next level above us the person that we perceive is controlling us because like we who have tethers supposedly under the ground we don't even know that we're making their lives hell by our actions I'm not saying that NGOs, charities or whatever, or all these organizations are inherently like bad or doing corrupt things in general. I'm just saying that there is a, like in terms of development studies, they will say like projects like 
these international organizations coincide with Cold War. And I think it is putting a presence overseas. I think the point more so that Jordan Peele is making is that it's like they are made as if they are the only thing that will instigate change and actually like I think the comment is like oh all these like really really rich people can like sign a check and like oh I I help like impoverished kids so I'm a good person but actually charity action is like just one very limiting form of action and it's showing that like this divide wasn't really tackled because it didn't really instigate any kind of deep political change i mean i think grocery stores and even like those campaigns are i think a lot more similar to like hands across america because like every year they'll be like oh do you want to donate a dollar to kids who need food for christmas and i think as it's been examined on several different platforms a lot of the times they've already donated a set amount and what you're donating just goes back to basically the grocery store and then they also get to write it off on taxes so it's it's not actually really doing anything but it looks good PR wise because they can say oh every year we do this for Thanksgiving and this for Christmas but it's not really actually doing anything like it completely balances out and if you said like you said they made 34 million they donated 15 that's less than half so like the expenses to run it was more than it they even were able to donate and they promised a hundred do y'all remember when they did we are the world again like when they remade it I feel like those celebrity mix songs always be kind of great minus the imagine one that they did during COVID. That was really weird. No one asked them to do that. I'm obsessed with both We Are The Worlds because like the Michael Jackson rehearsal videos from those where he's fucking pissed at everybody for being bad singers. And then the remake is like, who is it? Justin Bieber, motherfucking Snoop Dogg there. I don't know. It's a really great mix of people. Like Christina Aguilera, Fergie was there. Can we talk about her himbo husband? I have a whole point about him. Um, He has a Howard shirt on. I was like, of course. Of course he went to Howard. What's Howard? It's a black college in the US. <laughs> Mila, I forgot you were white. I was like, a Morehouse man would never let his tether body him like that. That's just my opinion on the matter. Have you seen a Morehouse man? I've seen a Morehouse man. Listen, listen, that was a very big dude and he still let his tether get to him. Like he did not know how to defend his family. He did it in the end. He took two of them out. There's a lot of jokes about Morehouse men in Atlanta. I, I disagree with this point. I'm not saying Morehouse men are better. I'm saying imagine their tethers. Taya, imagine who they'd be competing with. Or imagine just honestly, is he is he a part of Greek life? I want to know how an alpha or a Q, like what their tether looks like, like their tongue all hanging out. Imagine it. Imagine it. A nightmare scenario. I felt like he like her husband had like the vibes of like um you know like when there was that that well Zaba will understand this discourse, but when there was like that discourse on Twitter about like people who identified as like new black um and like only associated like with their class rather than their race her husband definitely gave those vibes yeah because he was more friends with white people and was like really about impressing white people and he was like very proud of his boat uh he pretty much was like dispelling the supernatural points for a significant period of time but that's also fair enough he had like the right amount of time to process it and then believe it I think he was, he was as on top of it as he could, like he was processing a lot of information, right? Like by the, like it it escalates very quickly. There's the scene where like they're in the car and they like pass the police officers and they uh, are like, oh fuck, of course that's what they're doing. But then when she's on the phone and she's calling the police um, and she's like, 
oh my gosh like you have to come soon there's these people in front of my driveway they have to get off my property and then like the way that he approaches the family he's like I don't want any problems just leave okay now you're pissing me off okay I'm gonna call the police if you guys don't get off my property the whole my property bit him saying my property over and over and over is like very new black very white of him their instant like let's call the police gave me like that there was some disconnect between like the black experience and because of their wealth like they were a lot more comfortable with seeing like figures of authority and that the system was working for them per se than the tethers would have felt because they didn't feel like any fear of like the police showing up there was never like even the aspect of them being like oh well they look just like us and we said they were intruders what happens if the police come up you're giving them your exact description <laughs> there's so many like mimicking or like parallels and i feel like this family the black family and wilson and sorry what's his name gabe the husband's name is supposed to be Gabe, I think. He's so handsome. Yeah, I'm thinking about him. <laughs> Basically, the dad wanting to imitate the white family was like another doubling. Like, essentially, like you always are trying to mimic the affluence you see around you, above you, whatever, on the hierarchy. The wife tries to be competitive with, uh, what's Lupita's character's name? Adelaide. Yeah, they, like she tries to be competitive with her. She's like, oh, I got a little work done. Like, oh, I, I, I would have been a famous actress, but you know, my husband's so rich, I had to follow him. Like she makes these sort of like snide side comments, I guess. But Adeline, Adeline. Adelaide. Uh, whatever, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Adelaide comes from, we know now, comes from nothing, from having nothing. So she doesn't even think about those comments because she's like, I have, I'm happy. I have a family. I have a home. I have a summer home. She doesn't even hear her. It's like background noise when this lady is trying to compete with her. Meanwhile, I'm sure she's very satisfied with her life because she knows she could have been underground eating rabbits. Yeah, exactly. She has this paranoia that, and she says to her husband, she's like, I had this, I always have this feeling that they're coming after me, that they've always been coming after me, that they're all, that they're out to get me. And that's because that that's the position that she was in. She took somebody out to get to her position. So now she's not looking ahead. She's looking behind her at the people below her trying to get her shit and take it back. That's kind of what Ty said about like, okay, so, you know, the tethers get on top. They uh, replace all of their their tethers their doubles but then like what what then would you have that paranoia that somebody's going to come and take your place will they turn on each other we don't know especially because like it seems like they would logically next come after red although like obviously for reasons they can't um because like she was the one that was like special enough to orchestrate it all so like that that would be like the threat of oh well if this person can accomplish this then they have to go She's the organizer, yeah, the rebel leading the rebellion. I mean, I imagine that, to be honest, like, what happens if your tether, like, off themselves? Because, I mean, if I was living my life and then I had to start eating bloody rabbits, I don't know if I would have made it. I don't think they have that agency. They had the agency to, like, rise out of the ground and, like, kill their double. But from instruction by Red, I think they were, like, mobilized. Yeah. Because before that, they were like the zombies. No, they were like the creatures in I Am Legend where he like went to the thing and they were just like all standing there like in the corner. <laughs> I think that was the most jarring scene. I think it's really eerie. This film, I think there is like depth if you want it to be, but also on the surface, it's just a visually dynamic horror film, I guess. 
I'm glad that you said that because a lot of the critiques I've heard of it is that like people are really unsatisfied with like the plot holes in the lore and they just like they want to know more about the project. They want to know more about what happens after. It's really just a thought experiment. The daughter even says like she talks about like the well I think you already said about like the government conspiracies. It's literally like anything that's not doesn't make sense is because it was like a setup and it was a failed experiment and I just don't really need to have it very like ex- over explained to me because he's just like a little bit to the mystery and it's fine also i know that some people felt like the the reveal that like adelaide and red had switched places as children and the the adelaide that we see was actually the tether i know some people were like oh that was that was so like out of nowhere like that doesn't make sense no it makes a that's the whole plot there's a ton of like hints in within the script that the entire time that she is the tetherer. We know from the start that she doesn't speak as a child. Like that's enough. When she was talking to her husband about it, she was. He said, "You were in a house of mirrors," and she says, "No, she wasn't a reflection. She was real." And so at that point, I, I remember when I watched it the first time, I was like, "Oh, they like switch places." There were like hints of conspiracy theory within it. Like the daughter at the beach says, like she doesn't want to get in the water because the government has tainted it to control minds um ironically enough they the people who they did taint to control minds do show up like later that day but like uh the fact that like their family does have distrust of the government but like at no point do they ever think the tethers come from that is quite interesting is maybe it's the way that like middle class people don't typically question their suspicion around the poor and how the government is involved in that they're like so busy thinking like the government is trying to take what they have to make them poor that they don't consider how the poor are poor because of the government yeah redistribution policies redistributive policies are viewed as like a threat instead of like a balancing of wealth the way that like adelaide feels fear around the tethers like she doesn't really care about her interacting with red but she feels like her family is like especially her kids are way too good to be around the tether children uh, like particularly her son when she's like oh they'll go play and she's like no like not my kids like i'll talk to you <laughs> but like my family is like not they're way too good to be around you guys i mean fair enough they were trying to kill them but yeah no i get what you're saying symbolically yeah i think there is a snobbery tone in the whole like treatment of it and i think that's why they even have the lot she says what are you people and she says we're americans instead of who are you people it's what are you people like it's very dehumanized of like those less fortunate yeah and she also has like a paranoia of not giving herself away so she's like extra like rude to them like ill you're not human what are you i don't want you around my family i'll t- i'll deal with you but like no one else can in a way like she doesn't want to be found out because she feels like she's passing <laughs> passing 2021 <laughs> yep <laughs> do we need to talk about the like Ooh, there's lots of two of everything's or is that like pointless <laughs> I feel like we should only talk about it like how you just said, oh, there's two of everything. (laughs) My question is like, okay, the frisbee, the spider, there were like things in the beginning that were like, ooh, fake and real, doubles of everything. The 11-11 thing. Was that like a premonition or was that just coincidence and meant to be like, ooh, why why is there magic now? I think don't think too hard about it. I think okay, it was just foreshadowing. Cool. Yeah, was it foreshadowing or was it um, like some sort of? Because she seems to think that like she is predicting something by seeing all these things that day. 
I think the tethered as a concept are supernatural because whatever they accomplished in this government experiment has done has like a freaky result. Whereas you've you've twinned these two souls and now one can't move independently. Twin flames. Yes. If you read the screenplay for this, all of the tethers like they're referred to as like the bad Adelaide, the bad son, the bad daughter. Um, and do we feel like the tethers in this movie are? bad or victims of their circumstances who act in violence in in response to that well the second one but also that's bad this is like one of the most interesting films because you find out that the person you're rooting for because that's you know the main protagonist is actually the main antagonist and that's why i thought it was a brilliant plot twist and it makes it nuanced because you think like It complicates Adelaide's character immensely, but also it really complicates Red's character immensely because it's like it's more of like a revenge thing also and like a reclaiming your place in society that you once had. Like it's a she had a dramatic loss of privilege. Her life is like trying to get back to that kind of status in society. This movie is like kind of one where if you get all the way to the end, I don't think you really see it as black and white as like good people bad people i think you see it as like weren't these poor people abused by the system and now they're just trying to get back to the top in films why do they always make the the double evil because that's the mythology of a doppelganger it's a bad omen the doppelganger is like a threat to you that it's gonna take your life or it's gonna you know attack you or kill you it's after you specifically and that that's what just makes it the antagonist the subconscious fear of the of the doppelganger like why that word exists is the like threat that that they will like replace it's like a threat to your identity i know we're all genetically unique but if you look at it widely as just like us as a species we're all like the fucking same to interact with your doppelganger is confronting how you are not maybe your unique self Red isn't really evil because, like, she's only responding how she was taught to respond. Because it was actually Adelaide who taught the violence of the situation, right? Who said, because Red says, you we could have just gone together. Like, that, we could have just, like, lived together. And it was Adelaide who obviously, due to her own trauma, was like, I need to take her place. But Adelaide was the one who introduced violence to the situation and and made it so if you want to reclaim your spot, it has to be through violence. So it's actually like, is Red bad or was Red just like um, forced to like in this really traumatic incident at a young formative age where she's really impressionable. And now that's how she thinks like you can only succeed is if you kill your counterpart. When you're saying Red and Adelaide, do you mean them as... I don't mean them swapped. I mean them as they appear. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now I get it. <laughs> Mila, I think your homework is to rewatch this film. I watched this last night. Two things I realized off the bat is that I have not seen this film before. Despite the fact that I fully was convinced I'd seen it all. Maybe just from hearing the few times that we've mentioned it. I also realized I knew nothing about this film. I had no context for it. I didn't really know what it was about. But the one thing I did know was the end, the swap. I normally don't miss out on like cultural American things but I think I really missed out on the hands across America thing I also think I just sort of got lost in what this film is about so I had a completely different experience the way that we experience and talk about class in the U.S. is so different from the U.K. like that was the thing that I noticed like the most is y'all talk about class a lot more than we do actually like with us it's the unspoken we talk about race more than we talk about class in the uk everyone is classist in a way that's very open yeah so i wouldn't get the subtlety of like a metaphor used for class commentary it's like 
people are just classist outright. Yeah, because it's so subtle because nobody says the thing out loud. All they say is like, oh, of course that guy got a, got that car. It's like offhand comments like that. And even like the distinction between different types of middle class, like the white family is certainly very wealthy. Like once you see their summer house, you're like, oh, that, that if that was my regular house, I'd be living large. But like in the grand scheme of things, they're not billionaires. So like these people are peers. They consider themselves peers. They maybe work for the same company or something like that. And it's like the, like the way that they frame the American middle class is like very particular. It's all politicians talk about as if everybody belongs to the American middle class. And that's all that they're, that's the only community that they're speaking to. But nobody has defined what that means because the wealth gap here is so large. The middle class is massive because we keep expanding the definition of what that means. And anybody who's not that is either a billionaire or underground. So I, I, I think that like, yeah, it is, it is subtle. And I like, don't blame you for not seeing it because they don't like beat you over the head with it, especially since Jordan Peele is known for race. So that's also but what I we're looking for. But I didn't even default to that either. I really just like, just sailed through this film being like, this is, this is just spooky and scary. And I had no depth. I mentioned, I was like, oh, there's, there's like a deeper connection with the Native American like thing. And then it didn't follow through. Oh, I know where you got that from, actually. I swear it does I make a know little sense. From. No, no, no. It was the Hall of Mirrors. They they do make that point. Like the Hall of Mirrors in 86 is, is called a vision quest. And it's like a chief brings you through the whatever. And then by the time we get to modern day, they've barely rebranded it. And it's just the same Hall of Tunnels. But it's like Merlin's wizard quest or something like right, that. And it's no right, longer, right. it's like a more PC version of it. But I think, yeah, I think that was like, yeah, one piece of commentary that was very like Stephen King-esque. Yeah, you might have swayed me a bit with that. Like it didn't follow through and I kind of like, I uh, had to discard that theory because actually even like with the sort of idea of like underground society and like maybe you could superimpose that on the idea of indigenous people's land being taken and they've been like, you know, forgotten and made invisible. Like there were no indigenous characters in the film so I was like oh at the end I was like wait so what the fuck is this about but I, I think that was just like a like an offhanded mention to say let's for, not forget all of this system is based on the stolen land and we don't even get to see these people that they're like now imaginary I was just gonna read a quote that Lupita did for Entertainment Weekly I think and basically she was just talking about like what the film means and she said Jordan's exploring this notion that right now we're preoccupied globally with the other the monster that is the other the other culture the other country the other political faction the other religion the other gender and what about the monster that sometimes comes in the shape of the man in the mirror and the darkness that we humans are prone to and quite naturally inhabit sometimes that darkness goes unattended to unrecognized ignored and it is when that happens that we project it out externally and become the destruction that we have to contend with, question mark. That's quite in line with, um, like, notions of the uncanny, be it, like, the thing that make is so disturbing about seeing, like, your double, your doppelganger, is that it apparently, if you're going from a Freudian perspective, is it, it reminds you of your own, like, self as we were saying it's like a mirror stage it reminds you of your own id so your own repressed um impulses and it's especially true for adelaide because her most violent impulse was what she did to red swapping places with red so in that case it's quite literally representing like oh violence so i think like yeah they're just showing like what any human could be capable of if they lived under those circumstances yeah like what's scary is seeing that it, you are also capable of being that thing 
and I think this movie does it really well. I only noticed it actually with the white family's doubles more because they were more caricatures. So like the mother character like cuts her face because she wants like the plastic surgery or she like puts on the lip gloss because like she's a mirror of this woman's insecurity. The dad, like the way the dad's tethers body language was, it was very, he like held his arms out really wide and he like, he was sort of like corny and cheesy, but that's because the original him is this like big show off. He has the fanciest car, the fanciest boat, the fanciest house. The tether is also a show off. They're not opposites. They're exaggerations of their flaws. Yeah. It was a little harder to see with the other family. You know, like the tether was like a track star the way the other girls was. And I thought it was interesting that she laughed instead of crying. So when she dies, like Red says, she was born laughing the way a baby is born crying. And when she dies, she's laughing. That makes me feel like she's not laughing. She's in pain. She's crying. Sometimes they were opposites and sometimes they were just like extreme parallels. Or like absurd versions of everyday life. Yeah, absurdity or caricatures of of their strongest personality traits. Yeah, for sure. I think it's really interesting. Maybe this is a little bit opposite of what Louisa said, where you were like happy to completely leave the like experiment be and not have further explanation. The failed science experiment, the idea of like, you know, the rabbits, it always like really reminiscent of science fiction. And like horror and science fiction, of course, have loads of overlaps, especially with liminal spaces like the underground but then they also had like some of the religious elements in it which is like a strong part of science fiction is like the binary between technology rationality versus religion and belief like crisis of modernity so i got a little bit black holed into that especially like red mentions her husband i think it's called abraham i think i just was like sucked into that part of the film a little bit too much you know, you mentioned like Jordan Peele also, um, will often put things in that are just like spooky for the fun of it. I've like overthought all the things that were probably just his throwaway fun <laughs> additions. I thought the smiling thing was like a little bit of him like, wouldn't it be more uncanny if she was just smiling? I thought um, her having the name Red was interesting because like Red is seen as the color that's like passion and violence, loss of innocence, all of that stuff. And then Abraham is um, like a biblical name, so... Wasn't that the dad that had to almost kill his son? Like, God said, you need to go and kill your son? Abraham's the dad of, like, the three major religions. But I'm trying to think of the biblical story and see if there's any parallels here. Yeah, it's the the one where he's supposed to, like, prove his faith through killing his son. Yeah. Isaac, yeah. I just think it's a dramatic name. Uh, Yeah, I was like, that has no resonance (laughs) that I can see with this plotline. If you're a tether, you can't go get a job because you can't talk. You can't leave the underground. You're like you're you're confined to the space, and you can never leave. And even when you get above ground, that's why it feels like incarceration to me. Because even when you get out, even when you get above ground, like how are you going to be a part of society now? You can't even. You're not even. What do you want to do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, it's like low key abolitionist because it's like okay. Yeah, we need to create a system where, like, yes, let everyone out of the prisons. But then what? Like, how are they gonna be a part of this, like, fucked up system we have? Yeah, you're more likely to be incarcerated if you're poor. And, like, you're more likely to stay poor if you've been incarcerated. Like, it's all connected. Thank you for listening to The Monstrous Feminine. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and Spotify at The Monstrous Feminine Podcast. And on Twitter at The Pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on TikTok at The Monstrous Feminine Pod for podcast clips and more fun. Brooms up, which is out.